and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about soybean aphids on today's program. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or by email radio at agphd.com. All right, so soybean aphids is our topic today. If you've, if you've got questions about that or you just want to talk about anything happening in your farm, 844-44-AG-PHD, uh, give us a call. But this this is kind of a big topic because I want to go a little further than soybean aphids today and just say we really encourage you to scout your fields on a very regular basis, especially this year. Here's what's happening in our region of the country. So we farm in southeast South Dakota. Normally at this time of the year, we're low 70s for a high and the low 50s for a low. Well, this year we're upper 80s for the high every day and 60s for the low, sometimes even close to 70 for a low. We're accumulating heat units at twice the normal pace, and we have been for three weeks, so or at least two weeks. Uh, and, and the forecast looks the same way for the next week. So where I'm going with this is over a three-week time, time period, you figure twice the normal heat units per day. So what does that mean in terms of insects? Well, insects show up and mature based on heat. It's somewhat like corn. Corn is going to mature based on heat units. So already, based on the way things look today and the size and things being ahead of normal in our area, if a, if a person was able to indeed plant early, I can already say, hey, the odds are we're going to have dry corn this fall. Now, we don't know what's going to happen the rest of the year and things could change, but we're always trying to play the odds as farmers and we have to say, you know, we got to be prepared for this because it's, I'm not, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we might have a few corn acres ready before soybeans in the fall. And that's extremely unusual in our area. So anyway, with the, with this insect thing, where I'm going with this is you might say, what soybean aphids, they're not going to show up until the first of August or the middle of July when they usually do. You never know. This year, you might see some in June. All we're saying is when it comes to insects, we just encourage you to scout your fields and see what's going on. If you find threshold levels, and we'll talk about that in a second, but if you find threshold levels, then spray. And it's also a lot less expensive for you if you've already got the product on hand and you're already out doing some other spraying and you go, oh, wow, I just scouted this field. I was going to spray it right now for weeds. I'm going to throw some insecticide in. If you're already making the trip, you don't have that cost. So that's really nice. And the other thing is a lot of these insecticides are very inexpensive. So we were just having this discussion for our own farm here today. And it was really related to alfalfa. So I realize different than our topic soybeans. But in alfalfa, we're going to go out there with a low rate of a cheap, well, I shouldn't say a low rate, with the full rate of a cheap pyrethroid. So it's going to cost us whatever, $3, let's call it. But what we were talking about is because we're most likely going to have to spray the, that, al, the, that alfalfa at least probably three times over the next five months, four months, um, probably better switch modes of action. And we lost Lohr's ban. That's one of the big questions when it comes to soybean aphids. People are like, all right, um, what if I have pyrethroid-resistant aphids? Well, fortunately, 
there aren't that many pyrethroid resistant aphids out there. But if you are dealing with that, then what we're going to encourage you to do is make a switch. You got a couple of options. There's dimethoate, and that's a product that we will end up using in alfalfa also. Um, and we'll rotate to that the next time we spray our alfalfa. But you can use dimethoate in soybeans. It's somewhat similar to Lorsban, same chemical family, works kind of the same, doesn't give you quite the gassing effect that, uh, that Lorsban did. So it's not quite as good, but it's pretty good. So you've got that. And then there's also that new that newer type of chemistry, whether it's Transform or Safina. What we're talking about is a couple of products that are very isolated. They they don't have they don't have what we would call a broad spectrum of control. They're going to kill aphids, maybe a couple other bugs, but the nice thing is they're going to leave the beneficials. So if literally all you were dealing with was soybean aphids or aphids in just about any crop, you could pick one of these new products. Transformer Safina and just kill the aphids. The trouble is a lot of times when you're out spraying soybeans, like most other crops, you go, well, I do have aphids out here, but I also have grasshoppers. I've got bean leaf beetles. I've got, you know, three other bugs that are out there. I want to get them all under control. There are some combination products you can use. I know Corteva's got one in particular, but um, BSF does where they're combining like a transform or Safina with a pyrethroid. So now you've got two different modes of action in there. It's going to help with any resistance concerns. You're going to have overall better control in that field. It's going to cost you a little bit more money, but that's an option as well. The big thing that I'm usually talking to people about with soybean aphids, let's come back to this threshold discussion, is this. When aphids first became a big problem, and I, if I remember right, it was 2006, they came out with a threshold of 250 aphids per plant. Somehow, that threshold hasn't changed in 17 years. And here's my argument. If we're calling it an economic threshold, oh, our economics of raising soybeans today are whole different than in 2006. The insecticide used to cost around 6 to $8 an acre. Now it costs three, maybe even two. The price of beans back then, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly what it was. Let's call it $7. It just wasn't good. Right. Well, it wasn't horrible at the time, but yeah, it wasn't good like we've had here the last few years. I mean, we sold some beans last year for, I don't even remember what it was, $16, $17 a bushel. Okay, so that's whole different. And then our yields too dramatically different. On our farm, we were only getting 40, 45 bushel beans a lot of times, maybe 50 if we were doing good. Well, now, I mean, if I get 50, it's a crop failure. I mean, we're averaging 70 now and our best fields, well, last year we had one field that was close to 100. It was fun. So anyway, where I'm going with this is you've got to look at the economics. So don't listen to people that are telling you, oh, it's this threshold that we established 20, 30, 40 years ago. Come on. Look at today's economics. It doesn't take a lot of insects to justify treatment in many cases. We'll talk soybeans, soybean aphids, right after this. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no! 
status herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. And Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and today we're getting ahead of the game here. We're talking soybean aphids, so you can set your plan up and be ready when aphids hit your fields. We'll start off by talking with Kurt Martins here with BASF about soybean aphids. Kurt, thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks for having me today, guys. All right, first of all, let's start with the tough one. Uh, A lot of guys are saying, well, I can't kill aphids. Aphids are getting harder to kill What's been your experience with that? Are they tougher to kill than they used to be? I would say they're tougher to kill, but like we've seen with a lot of our other pests, they have developed resistance to pyrethroid insecticides. So that takes out, you know, pretty much our our main mode of action that we use in insecticides. And of course, you know, we can't use products like Lorisban anymore. And so that that makes it uh, just fewer options of products to use. So uh, that. That's not helping us out any, that's for sure. No, and you think about this bug and where it's going to be on plants. It could be way down the stem. It could be on the underside of leaves. Coverage is pretty tough, and I always think about that too when guys say, well, I'm having resistance issues or I'm having trouble controlling something. I I think about, okay, well, what are you doing and what are you putting out there? How are you getting coverage everywhere that you need it to be? What are some of the tools that we like? We can switch. We can switch insecticides. That's for sure. Do we just need to increase pressure, increase gallons, go with a little smaller droplet? I mean, is it spray coverage part of the issue? Yeah, always. Uh, all those, like a lot of those things you said there. Uh, obviously, minimum fifteen gallons per acre. Uh, it's not going to hurt to go up to twenty gallons per acre with our with our coverage. And uh, we, we do want to use a nozzle uh, that's per- going to produce mostly fine to medium-sized droplets. Now, that may look like a kind of a fog behind the machine, but that's, that's what we're looking for. That's, that's the kind of droplet size that we need to get the coverage um, to get, uh, get, in, get, get the insecticides onto these bugs and get good coverage on the plants, that's for sure. All right, so if we've got to switch away from pyrethroids, what are some of our better options? Well... 
BASF has come out with a brand new insecticide we launched uh, a couple years ago called Safina with a new mode of action that is just lights out on soybean aphids, gives us a nice long residual. And the nice part is it's, it is uh, uh, pretty easy on our beneficials like, uh, like bees. And then we also have, if we want a little bit more broad spectrum, we do have a, a premix of a pyrethroid plus this Safina um, called Renestra. And uh, uh, that's going to give us, you know, again, more broad spectrum uh, control of, of other pests like Japanese beetles and aphids at the same time. So we've got a couple different options there depending on, hey, uh, maybe it's dry. We have aphids. We're worried about maybe flaring up uh, spider mites. We can go with the Safina option. And that way we won't flare up the spider mites. So both are great options if we do have aphids present because we're, you know, we're not, we've got a mode of action in there that's not a pyrethroid that is going to take, uh, that is going to give us control of those aphids. Yeah, it's just so important to be out there scouting and, and looking for these problems. And one thing that I've always seen with aphids is they often start in hot spots out in fields, which makes it a little tricky because I'll talk to farmers that say, well, I saw like a thousand per plant over in this part of the field and I didn't see any in the other part. I know it's a, it's it has a lot to do with weather and so forth, how fast they're going to move throughout the field. What do you advise on that when growers are out scouting for aphids? Again, you're, you're 100% correct. Scout, 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 and scout some more, usually starting about um, mid-June, especially up north there where they overwinter. You're going to start looking, and then usually in July, uh, some adults will start getting getting wings, or you'll have the wing versions, and they'll start migrating on us, and that's when we're really looking for them in places like Iowa and a little bit farther south. Uh, again, you may come across a hot spot that might not be a trigger to make an insecticide application because sometimes those hot spots just just turn into the the you know the colony will collapse and what have not. It, it's you really have to take a whole field approach to scouting and look for that. You know, I I, I look for 250 uh, aphids per plant on you know across 80% of the plants in the field. You know, that's that's the trigger. That's that's what I I go on. Uh, maybe a little sooner if it is a little bit a little bit drier and you know that population's moving up fast on you but you just gotta get out there and scout but you hit that right on the head scouting's important and drought conditions uh our plants can't tolerate much for bugs for weeds those types of things so probably even have to do more scouting on the drought years yeah exactly the drier years uh should should scare us uh when it comes to insect pests because if if we do get insects pests and dry years that that damage is going to be uh, much, much greater. Uh, just plants just can't recover from it uh, due to moisture stress and the, the damage just uh, just increases on us pretty, pretty quick. So again, these dry years really need to be scattered, uh, not just aphids, but, but all of our insect pests. Absolutely. Well, Kurt Martins, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Look forward to talking to you again soon. You bet. Thanks. We've got Jeff Moon with us right now. He works with Corteva. How you doing, Jeff? Uh, hi, Darren. I'm doing real well. How are you today? Well, I'm doing good so far. I don't see any soybean aphids in our fields right now, but our beans are still pretty small. Uh, <laughs> I know the odds of them coming later on this season are pretty high, though. Uh, let me ask you this question. When we look at, at seed treatments, there there are definitely uh, there's definitely a difference with treated beans that have insecticide in there. We see a few less aphids but boy those aphids are coming so long after we put treatment on seed uh, i don't really expect full control but do you notice a difference too 
you know, it seems from time to time you might see a difference if something was treated with a, a soil treatment, but, but boy, you're right. Uh, to expect something to have an impact long-term to be the, the total answer there, I think we'll be kidding ourselves. So it's really important to uh, have a plan if uh, soybean aphids show up as to what that post-application is going to be. I, I don't think you can rely on something that you put on way back in May uh, to control soybean aphids. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, and it's going to be pretty soon here, at least in our geography, that guys are spraying their soybeans post-emerge for weeds. I know in different parts of the country, uh, they, they've already, they're already long done. But uh, when, when we look at this, this first pass, it seems like scouting for insects ahead may not be soybean aphids that we're looking for. When, do you have kind of a trigger date? Is there a certain amount of GDUs that you look at? What, what kind of triggers you to think, man, I really better look closely for aphids? Well, I, I think, again, you know, scouting, which your previous guest mentioned, is, is important there. And I think paying attention to what's going on around you. You know, you guys do a good job of, of uh, visiting with a lot of people all over the country. Uh, those of us further north here, like, like you and me, uh, we have the uh, benefit of kind of looking to the south or looking to some other areas to see what's going on. And that can be a trigger for us. Uh, maybe you pay attention to some university uh, newsletters, university updates that come out. That can be something that can, can help you. Uh, see if something is coming your direction as well. Uh, but yes, as, the, as that soybean plant develops, as the heat comes on, uh, those are not only good um, conditions for crop growth, they're good conditions for insect uh, opportunities as well. And so we just need to be on the lookout for some, some of those things. You might see some things hitting the windshield of your truck as you're moving around. Uh, so there's all sorts of little little things you can pick up on that might set you off in search of some insects out there in your in your soybean field when we look at soybean aphids what are some of the things that that you would say on them I, I i look at man if i get out there and control them when i first start seeing them if i'm if i'm doing a great job scouting i say wow i see aphids they're on the rise in my field and knock them out to me i'm thinking that means i'm not going to have the next generation of aphids and the next generation of aphids i mean some might blow in from other fields but aren't you setting yourself up for it for a great season if you just get ahead of this problem you know i, I think uh if you if you try to get ahead uh or you know certainly be proactive in what you're going to do you're going to set yourself up for some success but let's remember just like you said there towards the end of your question these soybean aphids uh they're mobile, they have wings, they can move. And so you might do a great job of doing something on your farm, uh, but the next door neighbor maybe didn't take some action uh, like you did. And so we can see some aphids you know, start moving into that field again. Uh, to try to get everything with one shot there, I, I think depends a bit on the environmental conditions we're seeing as well. Uh, if those conditions are favorable for soybean aphid development, we can continue to see, you know, next generations or multiple generations come into that field. Uh, an insecticide is going to, you know, knock down what's there. It's going to have some residual activity, uh, but eventually that's going to kind of wear off and that's going to make right. us more vulnerable right. to, to aphids or mites or bean leaf beetle or something else come into that field. Well, it's like we've been saying all show, we just got to keep scouting for bugs all season long. Uh, Jeff Moon with, with uh, Corteva, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, 
Her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad-spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking about soybean aphids, and I know you may say, I don't have any aphids yet. That's that's exactly why we're talking about it today. We want to be prepared because soybean aphids can be big yield robbers out there, and especially if you're in an area that's struggling for moisture, it can make an even more, it can just make a, an astronomically big difference getting them under control early because they definitely are piercing, sucking insects that put a lot of stress on your crop. Got Chris Chris Munsterman with us right now with Syngenta. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing great sitting here in Omaha watching it rain. Oh, I'm jealous. I wish we had I know, that here I, know. Right I shouldn't now. be that way. Oh, well, we, they I, need it. I forgot how to turn the wipers on in my truck. That's, so that's what I'm just going to say. I had to YouTube it this morning to find out. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Nebraska needs it so bad, so bad. So that's fantastic. I'm glad somebody's getting the rain. And you know what? Uh, we've got a pretty good crop coming if we can just get the moisture to get it going. And 
You know what happens. Once we get that beautiful crop out there, then we've got insects like soybean aphids trying to destroy it. So talking about aphids today, what can you tell us, Chris? What are some things that, that guys may not be aware of or that, you know what, it's been a year since we've had to fight them. Maybe we need a refresher on. Well, mirroring what you all were talking about earlier in your segment, uh, a lot of these pest thresholds were developed in the 70s, 80s, and even to the early 2000s when beans were $8.00. And what we're seeing here in eastern Nebraska, it's a multi-pest deal. We've got Japanese beetles are getting worse. Soybean aphids are always lurking around, bean leaf beetles. So, uh, you know, we've got a new product, Indigo ZCX, that's got 30% more of one of the ingredients, the thymethoxam in there, that should add to the residual power substantially for that. But multi-pest threshold is kind of what we look for. And as you mentioned earlier in your segment, grower goals have gone up. You know, 50 bushels is now a failure, as you said earlier. We like to shoot for those 80 to 100s, and you just can't have much things chewing on your beans if you're going to hit those yield levels. No, no, that's for sure. We can't can't give up bushels along the way. And, and honestly, the, the bean price is really good, too. Brian was talking about this just compared right. to what it used to be. It's it, it may not be what it once was, but it's still really good. So we've got a chance and here if we can add some bushels. For the, yeah. Then the prices you mentioned are for insecticides are coming down and even, you know, two mode of action insecticides like ours, you know, they're getting more affordable. So, uh, it, you know, the old ways of thinking we might need to change those. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay. Here's the other thing, Chris, and we've had, it, it's never easy when you're trying to make an agronomic recommendation, but you talk to growers, okay, hey, I'm driving through the field and I want to protect myself from disease. There's some really good three mode of action fungicides. And I know you could tell us about a couple of those that I want to put out there. Then I've got bugs out here that I've found and I need to apply maybe a dicamba product or a 2,4-D product uh, before my time runs out. Do those do all those things mix together? Can you deliver them with the same spray nozzle, or should we really be splitting this up into more than one application? Ideally, for aphids, I would prefer to see like twin jet nozzles to really blast those leaves, get them turn orientated, flipped or flipped around, so you can get both sides of it covered. But that goes against all the labeling restrictions for Enlist and the and the dicamba bean. So it may be a two sprayer or, or two pass system because of you know, weed control and insect control don't often go together as far as optimum timing to do it. And now with auxins, uh, the uh, nozzle delivery mechanisms need to be vastly different to optimize either technology. I just always ask growers that, that ask me the question about mixing about five things together. I say, okay, <laughs> is it the perfect time for each one of those five? Well, no, I just, I need to spray for weeds. So I'm going to put the other things right. out there. And I, I think that is something to think about too, that, okay, if you need to spray for weeds, spray for weeds. And if it's two weeks right. before your optimum time for a fungicide, or you don't see any bugs at all, why would you put it in the tank? Save it for the next trip. I agree. And we don't want to kill beneficials off early because that is one thing that still holds true. All the old IPM things. I've seen a lot of people go too early on aphids go too early in the year with their first residual pass and beans, and then they just flare them three weeks from now. So it can be bad yeah, if we don't yeah, it sure pay can. attention to the time. Well, uh, Chris, uh, I think we're going to have to have you back on to talk fungicides here soon. So uh, we can let the aphid discussion go for now. But thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate having you on. I, 
I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. I hope it keeps raining everywhere. You yeah. bet. You bet. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, I've got Eric Rebeck with us right now. He works with FMC. Uh, and Eric, here we are once again talking about bugs. So uh, glad to have you yeah. on today. Hey, glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. So I hope we don't see soybean aphids this year, but I'm betting that we probably will. Uh, I know we've already seen some aphids out in alfalfa and some other crops. Sure. So it won't, won't be, I mean, I know it's a different species, but I won't be surprised at all. Here, here's the other thing, Eric. We've got a lot of buckthorn right around our, yeah. our place. And uh, I, in fact, I was just talking to my kids about this. Uh, they they said, what, what is this? Uh, you know, short little tree that's growing underneath all the big trees. I'm like, no, that's uh, that's yep. buckthorn, and that's where the aphids hang out over the winter. So, I've got a feeling we're going to see some this year. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. You brought up a good point. There's uh, basically an alternate host for soybean aphid. It's their overwintering host. Um, so they don't lay eggs in soybean. Those eggs are on that buckthorn plant uh, during the uh, course of the winter time. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about this life cycle so we can try to understand this bug better. Well, it's a complex life cycle. Um, so, yeah, early season, um, you're, you're probably not going to see soybean aphid, although you can. Um, it kind of depends on when they're winged forms. You have both winged and wingless forms of soybean aphid. And it's when those winged forms start to develop out on that buckthorn in the surrounding woodlots that they'll start to fly into soybeans. And so it's typically going to be, you're around our area, going to be late June, early July time frame. Okay, late June, early July. All right, well, uh, I know we need to be on this. We're getting so much more heat than we normally do. We're, I don't know, what are we, Brian, 15 degrees above normal most days? What, how is yep. that going to impact this, Eric? Well, uh, you know, in general with insects, and certainly soybean aphids, no exception to this, uh, the, with the warmer temperatures, um, and there are upper limits to that warmer temperature, but with those warmer temperatures, um, these being cold-blooded animals, um, they respond to that by having a faster development rate as a result of those warm temperatures. So, so yeah, we could be a little bit ahead of normal years this year based on um, our, our higher heat units that we've been accumulating this year. All right, with with soybean aphids, we know that there's some pyrethroid resistance developing. How widespread yeah. a problem is that, and what do we need to switch to? Sure. Um, so it is becoming more prevalent. Um, there's there's you know no no mystery there. We're seeing it more. Um, we're encountering it more widespread uh, geographies um, each and every year. Um, so, yeah, the pyrethroids were kind of the go-to for a while. Of course, a lot of the FMC products that we have, like Hero and, um, and Mustang Max, those are pyrethroid-based insecticides. They can still work. Um, just because there's um, insecticide resistance out there doesn't mean that every field has a resistant population. So we don't want to completely take pyrethroids out of the rotation. Uh, but there are quite a few other groups out there for uh, for managing resistance development with soybean aphid. And this is one that, you know, if you keep hitting it with the same hammer, it's going to quickly uh, um, evolve resistance to that particular material. So um, there's about, you know, there, nowadays we're, we're seeing a, a few more products online beyond the pyrethroids. Um, of course, we've got um, the, the neonicotinoids uh, class 4A, um, and there's uh, sulfoxiflor out there. there. There's quite a few other um, 
competitors to FMC, but other good products out there that you can put into a rotation to, to manage this resistance. Yeah, I think, like you said, we keep using the same tool over and over again. It's just a matter of time before it's not effective. So getting multiple modes of action out there or alternating modes of action is is a good idea in just about everything we're doing, whether we're talking about controlling disease or insects or weeds. We're talking with Eric Rebeck here about soybean aphids. Eric, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. Hey, thanks again, guys. You have a good one. You too. Well, I am concerned about that we're warmer than normal and we're going to see some things happening a little sooner, but we're also seeing fast crop growth in areas that we've gotten some moisture. Yeah, but I'm going to talk to you about that heat and how that's going to accelerate aphid numbers right after this. Great, Brad. More more exciting things to look forward to. Uh, If you've got an agronomic question for us today, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Nitrogen is a mysterious nutrient. We are never sure if we have enough, too much, or even if the nitrogen we apply is still there when the plant needs it. With 360 Job, you can provide just the right amount of nitrogen when and where you need it. A mid-season application lets you resupply lost nitrogen or lower your rates to get a maximum efficiency while maintaining yield potential. Put more efficiency and flexibility in your nitrogen program with 360 Job. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. 
FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today, just talking about soybean aphids. And I told you right before the break, we were going to talk a little about heat. <laughs> Why do you got to give us the bad news, Brian? Well, we 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 live in the real world, and unfortunately, there is some bad news from time to time. If you aren't aware of it, then all of a sudden these problems creep up on you, and you go, "Oh my goodness, how did I lose ten bushels in my soybeans?" If you're prepared, though, you get ready to spend that $3 an acre on the insecticides, no big deal, and get it taken care of. But here's here's what you got to know. This, in my opinion, is the most important point with soybean aphids. Their ideal temperature is 77 degrees for reproduction. If it's 77 degrees all day, their numbers can double in a day. Now, granted, I mean, there can be predators out there killing them and stuff like that. Let's say they're, you're loaded with lady beetles. That's awesome. But just keep in mind, there are a ridiculous amount of aphids to eat every day. Here's my example. Let's say day one, you start with 10 aphids. Okay. And I'm here, we're going to go through this over seven days. If the number doubled every day, 10 on day one, day two, we got 20, day three, 40, day four, 80, day five, 160, day six, 320, and day seven, 640. That's per plant. Now, I get it that ladybugs can eat quite a few aphids, and a lot of people don't want to kill the ladybugs. Well, if you don't, then just use Transformer Safina, okay? That's great. You're going to spend a little more money. It's going to cost you not $3, but like $7, $8 an acre, something like that, okay? So spend the extra 4 or 5 bucks if you're worried about the lady beetles. Otherwise, here's what I'm most worried about, yield. If I don't have yield, I, I can't continue to farm. I go bankrupt. So... I, I mean, yes, I would love to leave the lady beetles out there, but what I always tell people is, look, this is a big planet. I'm spraying a few fields. It doesn't amount to diddly squat, okay? So, I, well, I don't like killing the, the ladybugs. I will if I have to in order to get everything else. But again, you don't have to. You can spray Transformer Safina, and you can leave most of those lady beetles out there in good shape. Okay, so beyond that, I was talking about the economic threshold a little bit earlier, and I mentioned this 250 number. So let's just run the simple math. Going back to in 2006, insecticide was about $8. If let's say it's $2 today, your 250 number literally goes from that 250 down to 62 and a half. That's all the aphids I need per plant to justify it because we're talking economic threshold. And if my economics are, it costs me one-fourth the amount, well, that means I got one-fourth the aphids. Okay, same thing if I had $6 beans back then, I got 12 today. Okay, so now I'm down to about 31 aphids that I need. And then if my yield back then was 40 and now it's 60, okay, then I got to cut my number again by about two-thirds. So now I'm literally down to about 20 aphids per plant. That would be the new economic threshold. Now, am I saying I will spray at 20 aphids per plant? Uh, actually, I would on our farm. You don't have to, but all I can tell you is that 250 number relatively early in the season, R1, R2, um, that's way too high with today's economics. Using, I mean, unless you've got really low yield goal 
or unless you're spending and, a zillion dollars for the insecticide. Little, it's a little and, tricky because there's going to be and, hot spots. You're going to find some and, plants that have a bunch more than that. And but. I'm also figuring $2 for the insecticide. Okay, let's say you're spending 3 or let's say you're spending 8 And let's say you have to call a plane in to, to do the, the treatment. Well, all of a sudden, your number does go up because instead of spending the 8 I originally figured, well, now you're spending 18 maybe because you got an expensive insecticide and the full cost of the application because you're not doing anything else. On our farm, it seems like we're always spraying something else. Foliar fertilizer, foliar fungicide, uh, weed control, something else. is We're already doing it for sure. We're just throwing the insecticide in. So you got to run the math on your own farm. That's all I'm telling you. But just keep in mind, temperature is a big deal. And then the economics, obviously huge. All right. Let's get back to the phone lines here again. Uh, if you have an agronomic question for us, 844 844- 44 ag phd got robert with us out in illinois how you doing robert it's pretty warm today here i saw your weather uh you're you're several degrees cooler than us today but uh, that's okay you can top us you can top us all summer long robert that's okay (laughs) okay um my question today is i listened with interest the uh last couple of episodes where brian got on the subject of uh, possible APE, NTE, if I got the acronyms right. Right. Um, right. With some of the adjuvants uh, that are labeled for, we're, we're spraying corn right now with uh, miso and Roundup and atrazine generally. Um, do you think it would be okay or could you to substitute like Nutex EDA or some similar type product? Um, for the adjuvant? Probably not, no. Um, okay. I, I, I mean, you can do it. Is it going to be quite as good? I, I, I would doubt that. You need something in there for an adjuvant, um, a spreader sticker. But there are plenty okay. of them out there that are APE and PE free. You just right. have to talk to your agronomist. It's not that big a deal. Right. What was interesting to me and, and what we had brought up is this thing that the Jim Reese from Precision Labs was talking about last week where he said, hey, there's some data out there now that's showing when you're spraying past V5 with a crop oil or methylated seed oil, you can hurt yield if it's not APE and P free. And I'm like, well, Jim, I've never heard that before. I want that data. So I got somebody in our office talking to them to try to get this data because I've never heard that, never seen that, never experienced that. And we've had so many people spraying crop oil in the V6 kind of timing, V7 timing. Yeah. So we may have to run some trials ourselves because that it just that, that seems like it's pushing it but Jim's point also was this he said look if you don't control the weeds well then the weeds will probably take a lot more yield than the little bit right. that the the surfactant may hurt you so he said that could absolutely skew any trial that you're going to run unless you have great weed control so there's always this balance and it's one thing when i was a young agronomist my dad just said you know Brian let's keep in mind Every herbicide hurts yield. I go, what? I thought these were safe to the plant. And he goes, no, there's not a single herbicide that's perfectly safe to the plant. It all takes a little energy to metabolize or move it around or do whatever, however it it, it works it through its system. 
He said the best way to have yield is if you could just magically every day uh, wave a wand and all the weeds disappear. But that doesn't exist. So it's it's always going to be a trade-off. And it's the same thing with almost anything we're dealing with in agriculture. There's always a trade-off. Hey, do I want to go plant today? Well, I don't know. Is today the best day? Maybe tomorrow is. Is it a little too wet? Is it a little too dry? I mean, there, there are all these things you got to work through. So I'm not super worried about, I mean, how because, for example, like in your case, how big is this corn? It's probably B B five to six. We're, we yeah. Formerly, we were working with a group that was recommending a GDU cutoff number for herbicide. Sure. You might be familiar. With that. Sure. And we're we're like fifty plus GDUs over that that target, um, and so I'm like, yeah. You know, I want to be. I want to be careful. Our weed situation is not terrible. Sure. Um, but I, I, going forward, I was just, I was wondering, uh, you know, about the uh, the new text product that. Uh, yeah. In in that. But, yeah. But there's so more to it than just just penetration into the plant. Um, well, there isn't much more to it than that. No, there's spreading and okay. sticking. That's what surfactant does. And then there's penetration into the plant. That's what crop oil and methylated seed oil does. Crop oil and methylated seed oil will burn through the waxy leaf cuticles and help you get, get the product into the, into the plant. So if let's say you're talking a fulvic acid or something like that, that a lot of guys are using with fertilizer and fungicide, and that seems to be working good. I, I, I'm not saying that it's going to be bad. I'm not saying you're going to have no result, but to think that it's going to fully replace either a crop oil or a non ionic surfactant, that's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, and, that, that makes sense. I was just kind of looking for a, for a second opinion, you know, yeah. kind of a pat on the back. Yeah, honestly, at V5 and just starting into V6, I'm really not that worried. If it was my farm, uh-huh. I'd go out and spray my normal mix. I'm going to feel very confident. I, I mean, we, we've literally been working with tens of thousands of farmers for 30 years now, spraying at similar timings, and we just we haven't seen problems. And I mean, like high, high yield stuff, too. So I'm not that worried. I think you're going to be just fine, Robert. Thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Good luck out there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. 
With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. CNB, your local John Deere dealer, is committed to helping you in the field. The CNB Support Center brings you machine monitoring, remote diagnostics, and guidance from expert technology specialists all season long. Learn more about what the CNB Support Center can do for you at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. When we say Ag PhD Mailbag time, that means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD or by email, radio at agphd.com. And email is a great way to send pictures. It's exactly what Matt did. He said, guys, I'm in north central Iowa, and my corn has yellow tips on the lower leaves. Looks to me like potassium deficiency, but I've heavily fertilized for potassium in the last two years. I put 400 pounds of potash on two years ago, 275 pounds last fall, plus 4,100 gallons of hog manure. Do you think I've burnt the roots with all this fertilizer and salt? Um, it's possible. So we've Darren and I have been talking about this a little bit for the last couple of days. Because what you what this is, just to describe this for our listeners, it is yellowing on the lower leaves. And it extends in a little bit, so it doesn't really look like nitrogen deficiency, would go, which would go up the midrib, or potassium deficiency, which would go around the edge of the entire the lower leaf, the, the outside leaf. edge. Right. So it's, it's kind of on the tip and extending in for a ways um, across the whole leaf. So... It it's possible it could be a magnesium deficiency with all the potassium you've put out. Keep in mind, potassium and magnesium compete against each other. We've shown this even on our own farm. We've occasionally talked about we did a 1,450-pound application of potash, and now we didn't see any visual symptoms of magnesium that deficiency. That was in a but, piece of ground that's very high in magnesium. Yeah, yeah, true. 
Uh, but anyway, you could see it in the tissue test where we put on the high rate of potash, then our magnesium levels were way down, our potassium levels were way up, and it was the exact opposite in the other area. So what I'm saying is it's kind of a one-to-one. So if you're going to raise potassium by 50, you're going to lower magnesium by 50, just for very, very, in very simple terms. So is it possible that's magnesium? It's possible. You could pull some plant tissue samples and send those in, and then uh, maybe we could take a look at those versus some other field that looks good and see if we're seeing some difference there. Um, beyond that, yeah, I, I still do think the salt could be an issue. This has been a dry year. Your area is more dry than normal, uh, or at least we believe so in looking at the National Drought Monitor map. So those are kind of our thoughts. Darren, did you have anything else to add to that? No, I think it's either salt or magnesium. That'd be my two things. Yeah. I'd pull plant tissue tests, I'd pull soil tests, and I'd compare in the same area. I mean, go go to one area, pull a soil test, and then right in that area, uh, pull some of those leaves and send them in for plant tissue analysis as oh, well. Yeah. Yep. And and then that might give you the answer right there. And make sure that and, you're and getting dig a complete, up some plants. Right. Dig up some plants, look at the roots, see if you're burning things off. Yeah, and make sure you're running a complete soil test too because we want to see salt, we want to see sodium, we want to see soluble salts, I guess is where I'm going, uh, in addition to the sodium. And if we don't see a complete test, it's, it's kind of hard to say. So don't just pull some nitrate test or something like that. We want to see a complete test there. Run a Malik 3. It'll only cost you like 12 bucks. It's no big deal. Hey, thanks for the question. And and hopefully hopefully the thing writes itself. Hopefully some rain helps, some nutrients come available and everything works out. But uh, tissue test, soil test won't cost very much to, to find out what's going on. All right. Got Tanner on with us right now out in Ohio. Tanner, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. Good. What can we do for you? Um, so I'm just recently getting out of the military and I'm going to pursue agronomy in college. Awesome. And I was just looking to get some advice from you guys, like where, where it's going in the future. What can I expect with, uh, doing my degree in agronomy and like, uh, some good points to work on to get myself ready for, uh, to become like a agronomist. Awesome. Well, first of all, Tanner, thanks for your service. We really appreciate that. Thank you for your support. Now, in terms of agronomy, yeah, there is a huge need in our industry with things changing as rapidly as they they are with technology and and different things. Uh, Wow, we are so excited for young people getting into agriculture right now. And I think agronomy is one of those fields where job placement is about 100%. So I think you're making a pretty wise choice there. What's your game plan? Are you heading to a four-year college? Are you heading to a two-year program? What are you thinking you're going to do? So um, after I got out of the military, I moved back home to Ohio, and then I was going to attend Ohio University up at Worcester. Uh, they have a ag program up there, and then dropped down to the main college to finish up my degree with all the labs. So Tanner, let me just tell you the words that my dad gave me on my first day of college. He goes, Brian, you're going to go to college. You're going to think you're going to be all smart, but you're going to come back and you're not going to know anything. You're going to college to learn how to learn. And once you get back or, you know, if you come here or anywhere you go, you're going to have to learn whatever that job is. And you're going to have to put any of these things that you may think you learned into actual practice. And then you truly prove it out 
whether that works or that doesn't. So you're going to learn a lot of concepts and theories. You're going to learn how to learn. That's why you go to college or any any school like that. And so I, I guess I, I don't, I'm not saying college isn't good or any of that education isn't good because it is. What, what I'm saying here is you, you have to put in a lot of time and a lot of effort actually out in the field and or working with farmers, working with agronomists, and you'd have to just continually learn. Ag changes all the time, every year. And it's really nice, too, like for both Darren and me, it was great having our dad, an older agronomist we knew and stuff like that, to say, okay, we haven't gone into this situation before. Have you? What's happened? What did you learn? What what worked? What didn't work? And things like that. So then just the, the longer you're in it, the, the better and easier it gets. But unfortunately, farming and agronomy is never, uh, it, it's never cut and dry. It's not like, so I, I, I'm kind of a math guy. I really like math because one plus one always equals two. In farming, sometimes one plus one equals 47. Sometimes it equals minus 20. So we're, we're trying to do the best we can. And there, I'll just say there's a lot to learn, but it's a great field. I, I was just talking to some young agronomists yesterday and I said, think about all the jobs in the whole world you could do. This is one of the best, one of the most noble, because every day when you're doing your job and you're doing it well, a farmer is going to gain and then our planet gains because we now have better and healthier food and we've left the ground in better shape for the future. So it's awesome. We love being involved in agriculture. I'm sure you will as well. But it's a it's a long-term thing. There are going to be setbacks and you just want to try to not get emotional when, when the setbacks come. It's just unfortunately part of farming and agriculture and everything else. So whatever area you go into with ag and agronomy, just know that uh, it, it takes a little bit of time, but it's very important important that we have great people in it. So again, we're, we, we applaud you and we're, we're excited to, uh, to see how things go for you here in the future. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I, I for one, am super excited to uh, pursue agriculture and specifically agronomy. I grew up on a sheep farm. We did hay. We didn't do much seed. So I, I'm very interested in learning so much about, about uh, this career field. And I appreciate your guys' insight. One other thing that I'll throw out to you, Tanner, back, let's call it 40 years ago, a lot of ag information came out of the universities and extension system and everything else. And there's still a fair amount of stuff that comes out, but they continue to get their funding cut in different states. And it there isn't nearly percentage-wise as much that seems to come out of the universities as private industry. Well, you know what the goal is for any company that's out there. And I'm not trying to badmouth the companies or anything. They do a lot of great stuff. But still, their job is to sell product and their their company needs to make money. So unfortunately, a lot of times you're going to hear all the good stuff about different products. I don't care what it is. You're going to hear all the good. What you have to try to do is figure out what are the downside risks? And always be asking, what's the downside risk? What what if things go wrong? What if things go bad? What if I don't get rain? What I mean, that's what you have to continue to pursue. Try to find that negative side. And there's always going to be a negative. And, and just understand, I mean, like there are a lot of products that, yep, there's some negatives to it. We're still going to use them. We just have to figure out what those risks are. And farming and agriculture is a lot about risk management. So anyway, Tanner, good luck. Thanks a lot for the call today. Appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Yep, you too. Brand, real quick question came in from Julie. She said, what time does your field day start this year? 7 a.m. And when does it end? 4 p.m. So, yeah, I know it seems early. It is early, but it's beautiful here in the mornings in South Dakota most of the time, and we want to get you here early and then get you home. You can find all the details and pre-register at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.